I roll with you, Neil, whatever. Whatever. No, not on this one, Michael. On this one, you're on your own. So for me, the reward is maybe worth the stretch. But Elaine takes good care of you. You got plenty put away. You got T-bonds, real estate. If I were you, I would be smart. I would cut loose of this. Chris Scalzi here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first round, Matt and I are going to step back into the ring one more time. <laughs> what? It's just, oh, just so you know, folks, I'm going to run with it. Uh, this is like the third or fourth time we've recorded the intro because I, what is funny is I'm looking at my notes, but I can feel Matt looking at me, waiting for me <laughs> to crack up the whole time. So... I'm going to leave this in because I love you so much. This week on the first run, Matt and I are going to step back into the ring, Matt, one more time to defend our title as the longest-running cool film podcast in all the land. It's our discussion of Creed Three. Michael B. Jordan steps into the director's chair, Matt, for the first time to continue the story of Adonis Creed as his past comes back to haunt him, much like that breakfast burrito Matt had earlier today. <laughs> that is Hey-o. a bad joke. What? Wait, no, hold on, wait. You dumb motherfucker! Nope, that's not it. That's not it. This is one of my... That's what I wanted for you. (laughs) Then, I get to yell, bingo, as I'm able to check off the final Best Picture nominee, Matt, for me. I have now seen all of them. It's going to be Sarah Polly's fictional take of a real event, Women Talking. But at least Matt got to dodge Elvis. So I'm hoping he's happy about that. It's true. There's the absolutely glorious sun-drenched rundown of the big releases on physical media. I don't even know what I mean by that. Featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show with a round of everybody's favorite leather-free role-playing game. It's Who Dat. Matt, let's go ahead and lace them up and play some Creed Three. Hey, my man. Can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing the autographs, but you get off my car. Oh, holy. You don't remember me, huh? Come a long way from bumming rides from your mom. Damn. Boy, you had, you had, you had me. <laughs> Damien. Yeah, just got back to the hood, stopped by the old gym, but, uh... Yeah, we upgraded a couple years ago. Huh? See... Damn, it's, 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 uh, it's been a minute. In a minute. So, Matt, it has been a minute. Creed 3 is back. I'm telling you, I, I was disappointed with Creed 2. And mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to it because mm-hmm. it's the whole kind of an update of Rocky 4, which is 
for all of its cheesiness, is just an absolutely glorious cinematic experience. <laughs> it is everything great and terrible about the 80s all rolled into one. Yeah, I still haven't watched Stallone's director's cut, the new version. I, I do want to get on that at some hmm. point. Interesting. But Michael B. Jordan returns, and I think they got three done by saying, by Michael Jordan basically saying, I want to direct this thing if I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about how all that all shakes out, but... What are your thoughts? No, Chris, you're getting ahead of yourself. Don't get excited. Matt, what is Creed 3 all about? Creed 3 opens with Adonis Creed um, having one more fight to cap off his career as the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, he moves into sponsoring fighters, managing fighters, training them when a man uh, from his past, Damian Anderson, comes back and says... You know what? Uh, just got out of prison. I'd like a chance, um, and I want you to help me. And uh, Adonis Creed does, but that may have been a bad decision because there may be more to Damien's story than he initially let on. Yeah, like he's like a transformer. He is more than meets the eye. Is the case? <laughs> wow, wow. And we'll talk about that too. All right, John, Jonathan Majors. So the first time I think we both saw him. Is the last black man in San Francisco? Yep, which I really liked. Yeah, stunning film, and I think there's actually a 24 put a 4K version of that a little while nice. ago. You can pick them one of their special editions. I think I, I have the uh, Midsommar. That's the only okay. one I've really bought yet, though. They have Green, the Green Knight too, and I think one more. Either way, this guy is blown up. You know, he's uh, the next main villain in the uh, MCU. But um, he went from Last Black Man in San Francisco to some other stuff. I, I confess I haven't seen Captive State, Gully, or Jungle Land. But then Great into Five Bloods, The Harder They Fall, the Netflix film, both of those last two appearing on Netflix. I did not see Devotion, which I think he plays mm-hmm. a Korean war pilot, right? Now he's here with Creed Three. The man, I think, Matt, is just a presence. You know, it's, I can't remember the last time I saw a guy kind of just appear and blow up and kind of just dominate the screen like Majors does. And he plays our uh, our villain, as you said here. And I'm happy to see, I think him and Jordan, they have a really good chemistry between mm-hmm. each other. And I, I like the idea of it. I like the the film's conceit, how one of the, uh, something from, you know, Creed's past, when he lived in the group home and had some troubles with the law, whatever the case may be, kind of comes back out of nowhere to kind of maybe shake up his life. So Matt, how does this work for you with Creed 3 in the series? Is this a nice capper are you would you kind of be happy to call it a day after this were you underwhelmed by this at all is have we set a new standard for the rocky extended universe and and should we even say that at this point Mm -hmm. in regards to tying this into rocky because it's now i feel like with balboa gone right the, the the series has stepped out of stallone's shadow at this point yeah. I threw a lot well, at you. What you you did, you did, as usual, you asked me like five questions. Um, so, uh, so first things first, I will say I'm with you. I still think the first Creed is the best one. I think, uh, Ryan Coogler, what he brought as a director and I yeah. think kind of the hungry uh, Adonis Creed, I think is along the same lines as like the best Rocky movies, right? As far as film wise goes, <laughs> I was disappointed by, Creed two, I think this is better. I think it's it's it it, it's certainly elevated than Creed two. I don't think it's still not as good as Creed as the original Creed. I think it's fair to say that this came out of Rocky's shadow. I even I rewatched Creed one and Creed two. Did you right before before I went and saw this? And I never really got the sense that those were really Rocky movies. He's kind of just like a 
he's important, but he's not the focus. And I never really felt like these were Rocky movies. I feel like they're in the same universe, I guess. And I think that's okay. But I never really felt like it, like there was any kind of looming shadow of, of Rocky for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. No, I'm, I think that's fair, but I do think that, you know, one of the big things about that first film was the fact that it's kind of this side continuation of mm-hmm. the franchise because Stallone played and, and listen Stallone is fantastic in that first film I think he was yeah. nominated for an Academy Award if I remember correctly yeah I think so so yeah and but I didn't think about that or him at all watching this which I think is a testament to the film's success mm-hmm. I think one of the st- struggles I have with the movie though Matt is that it's it's a little clunky yeah it's a little obvious in its structure yep. and it's just like so the attack on Drago, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's woefully obvious. It's real. Right. You know exactly what's happening, and there's just little things like that, things that just aren't handled, I think, as well as they will be as Jordan continues to progress as a director. Mm-hmm. And I like a lot of this stuff in this year. I like. I think it's fun that Jordan does a great job of um, not only masking Majors' intentions. I think mm-hmm. for the bulk of the film. But he hides his physique for a long time. You don't right. see him in his size for a while. I, I think that's kind of a fun little thing that he does because he's hiding everything about him, really, up until we have that reveal. And um, I think Jordan equates himself well here as a director. I just think there are signs or opportunities for improvement. Like when we have... Was one of the things I kind of really struggled with when we have Bianca's story arc, you know, his mm-hmm. wife, where she steps away from music because she has a uh, an ear issue, so she starts to just produce stuff as well, and how that represents a potential different path that perhaps Damien could have taken in his life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It's just it gets a little heavy handed at times for me. That's all. So I don't know, Matt. Do you, do you find the film was it diminished at all by kind of the plotting and how kind of heavy handed everything was like that way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it definitely shows um, somebody who is not quite a hundred percent sure of himself, and I think more, maybe less than the plotting. Um, I guess I want to get your opinion before I say anything about mm-hmm. what did you think about his stylistic choices because he has some really highly stylized fight sequences in this. And some of it I think is really successful. Some of it I was kind of like, okay, it's a little film student to me. Like, you know, yeah. you're very clever. You've watched a lot of anime. I get it. But I think overall it's pretty good. But I'm kind of just wondering what you thought of it. I'm kind of in the same camp you are. I think I love the the sound design of the mm-hmm. fights a lot. The, the The punching and the air rushing sound, I guess. I'm not sure another way to describe it. Sure. I think is really well done. How he shoots the fight scenes, I think, is really interesting. Until, until we get to the <laughs> final fight at Dodger Stadium, right? And I think this is what you're referring to with the anime influence. Yeah, when everything shifts and it's just the two of them, the crowd disappears. It becomes this gray, overcast, smoky, you know, surrounding yeah. um, set, and they see each other across the ring as kids again and mm-hmm. that spark of brotherly love maybe comes back and all of that that's what i'm talking about it's just so heavy-handed at times and i think visually it's, it starts off really good but when we get to that transition i guess it's just another example of just i need you to dial it back mike just a little bit mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, he's definitely got talent. And I think he's definitely, he's just not, he just needs more experience. That's all yeah. it really is. And it'll come. He'll get his opportunities. And I, I ultimately, I had a pretty good time with this film. I will say I am slightly disappointed. Even though I know it's going to the well, they went to the, the Drago well in Creed 2. But when I first saw this and I saw Major's haircut, I thought we were going to get a little bit more of a Clubber Lang kind of thing. Yeah. Because I, I freaking love Clubber Lang. My favorite Rockies, by the way, are 3 and 4 when they're absolutely 80s batshit because yeah. those are the best. And I'm still waiting for one of those. I hope we get one more Creed so we can get an insane entry like we had for the Rocky films. Well, supposedly they said in interviews that uh, Jordan and Majors both said that they still think there are stories to tell between the two of them as characters. So I think they really feel like they've found something together in this kind of yeah. partnership. And he does do a good job, I think, of uh, a way of closing things out, the way Apollo and Rocky had that relationship going forward, that right. maybe they can as well. So, okay. You know, we'll see. I, listen, I'm really surprised that this series has continued on. Uh, I thought after that second one, I thought, all right, that was all right, that might be about it. But this right. has also been a big success. This did really yeah. well in the theaters. Um, won the weekend. I think it pulled over forty million. I think on the, a couple a day or two. And right now, it costs seventy five to make. And according to the Wikipedia, it's a hundred. It's a hundred and one. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one weekend. So I think he will likely clear two. I yeah. think, and that's a pretty good turn of a profit. Uh, and I think they got a good chance of making a fourth film. I'm with you. I hope they do something really crazy and over the top as well. I don't know what. They would do at this point. So would they Drago do like... was your opportunity to do that. And I will say yeah. too, one of the issues I had with with Rocky Two, with Creed Two, is that I wanted to spend more time with the antagonist. I wanted mm. to see more with Drago and his dad with Dolph. Uh, yeah. That was a more engaging story. Yeah, and I got the same problem here. I would much have liked to spend more time with Majors. Maybe even some time in prison, him reuniting with other people outside, mm-hmm. him figuring his own life out. That is a more interesting story. But again, we don't get it. I don't know if it's sacrificing it to have some mystery for the big turn, which is not is telegraphed pretty well. So yeah. I don't think Majors handles it well. I think that scene on the beach with Majors is one of the highlights of the film. Mm-hmm. But I think the setup and the rest of the construction around it, I think he basically, Majors makes that. He... He ter- he makes that work when I think if somebody else could not have pulled it off because Jordan is so, again, just heavy-handed with his setup. Uh, it's funny you say that because Adonis Creed in Creed 2 and Creed 3 is one of the least interesting characters in either of those movies. Yeah. Like, I was rooting... I Weirdly... I was rooting for both Victor Drago and, and Damian Anderson more to, uh, in the back of my mind. I was just thinking, I kind of want these dudes to win. I kind of want them to kick his ass. Like I, and you never, you never thought that with like Clubber Lang or, or uh, Ivan Drago from like, they were bad guys. Like they were the villains. Whereas these guys are almost more interesting than Creed. So I would love for Creed. Four to really be like Damian Anderson, like he's the main character and Creed is really like the Apollo role where he's like, you know, training, you know, yeah. Damian to as Rocky kind of thing. Yeah, I it's now I will say to Jordan's credit, he is the heart of that first film. Him and Tessa yeah, Thompson, is. actually. 
And yes. he's, it's very interesting. He's a very fully fledged out character, learning, dealing with who he is, all of that stuff. But the problem is that all wraps up in that first film. Mm-hmm. And even though they try and introduce a little bit more of that in Creed 3 by bringing up the stuff from his past, again, mm-hmm. it's doesn't matter it's it's yeah. it's 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 damien it's majors that you're interested in unfortunately mm-hmm. so yeah. again maybe that's just again a a a short fall of the, of the direction like we said though i still think it's solid he equates himself well i'm interested to see what he comes up with next like you said i think you can only improve from here yeah matt i'm gonna give creed 3 a c plus which looking at it now is the exact grade i gave to creed 2 yeah so i can creed, even a little higher than that so i would say creed 2 would be like um how do we say it? Like a 78? Sure. And then this would be a 79. You're not going to put it to an 80 to get you to a B minus? Uh, I just, uh, maybe you can get with majors, you can get me to B minus. I don't know. What about, I don't know. Yeah, I think C plus is a little too harsh. I think uh, I think it is a B minus film. I think it's, it's, it's noticeably better than Creed 2. And, you know... It's nowhere near the heights of, of the original Creed, but it is, I think, a B-minus movie. Yeah. I don't yeah. even remember what I gave the original Creed to. Uh, I gave I will, it like an A or something. I will tell you. Yeah. You gave it a C. Okay. That fits. So there you go. All right. You know what? I'll go B-minus as well on the strength of majors. You've, you've swung my opinion. It's not, it's not that different. And it's just saying 79, so. <laughs> Why not? There you go. The power of John of the majors. So if you had a chance to see Creed 3, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirsttorun.com. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, March 14th, I think, I didn't watch this film. I didn't see this film until about 10 years ago for the first time. And it is, if you haven't seen it, it's one of the greatest films of the 80s. Big cult classic. And if you haven't seen it, though, I cannot recommend it enough. So here is a little bit of uh, Michael Parr and then a baby-faced Willem Dafoe. Well, looks like I finally ran into someone that likes to play as rough as I do. Yeah, this must be your lucky night. I'm lucky? I guess maybe I am. You're dumb. Real dumb if you think you can pull this off. I think you're forgetting something. I got the gun. I can get guns, smart guy, lots of them. Now why don't you tell me your name? Tom Cody. Pleased to meet you. I'll be coming for her. And I'll be coming for you, too. Sure you will. And I'll be waiting. Oh, Matt. Walter Hill's just wonderful Streets of Fire. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Streets of... Oh, you have to see it. It is... <laughs> wonderful it's kind of a neo-noir rock musical action film and uh i first saw it in the theater they were doing a special screening of it and i ran home and i I bought the blu-ray online the next day and uh, i love streets of fire it is so just over the top kind of crazy at times and weird but there's an earnestness and just a sheer joy in the filmmaking, that is just, uh, it's really, it's fantastic if you haven't seen Streets of Fire. And we're bringing it up because it's getting released, Matt, in 4K. You know what? Push the button. Push the button because you didn't do it again. No, no, no. Number no, no, five? We're not there yet. Four oh, K's, not there yet? 4Ks don't get in the countdown. I see, I, I don't even know what, what's going on in here. All right. So. Number five? 
And I'm leaving that. I didn't edit it out just because you're upsetting me now. Russell Mulcahy's <laughs> Razorback is getting a 4K restoration by Umbrella Entertainment. This is a film about a wild, vicious pig who terrorizes the Australian outback. It includes an all-new commentary with a couple of film critics, an older audio commentary by Mulcahy, uh, interviews with some actors, and more. Jaws on Trotters, the making of Razorback. Just uh, includes the VHS cut, which includes the original 4x3 Australian home video version, if you really just kind of hate yourself and you love VHS. <laughs> Pan and scans. All right. All right, Matt, we're going to continue the countdown now. Four. Tom Hanks returns in A Man Called Otto, a film we did not do for the show because I just, plainly, I thought it looked dreadful. And I just had, there was, I had no juice to see this thing whatsoever. <laughs> Couple making of featurettes, uh, deleted scene, and more. But to make our former co-host Chris Espo happy. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Huh? Huh? Uh, mm-hmm. Alice Darling, featuring Anna Kendrick, is being released on Blu-ray. A young woman trapped in an abusive relationship becomes the unwitting participant in an intervention staged by her two closest friends. This was in the theater about a month ago. So, And then, Matt, after that, what comes up after three? That's right, folks. Did you bring a horse for me? Well, looks like we're... Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. That's entirely too long. That's way to, too long. I have yeah, to figure. Gotta... I don't know how to edit it though. Do I just well, go with two too many? Well, you could just say. Well, couldn't you just cut out like all of that where they said, "Well, we only brought one or what is whatever." Just cut the the part play right again? before. Yeah. No, please. We're not play it again. You want to play it again? Yeah. No, sure. Ah, all right, hold on. You bring a horse for me? Well, looks like we're... <laughs> looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. All right, where do we cut? So you you basically cut out him asking, but if you brought one for me, plus the like three or four bars of music, and just cut it to start it at. Looks like we only looks like we only brought we're shy one horse, and then it goes from there. Okay, that's still that's still long, but at least it makes right. sense. I see what I did. What about what if we use this one? Yeah, Jamesy. That's a short one. I'm not going to do the whole thing on you. <laughs> I regret telling you how much I dislike that that clip. <laughs> Number two, Criterion is putting out the last hurrah for chivalry. A son tries to avenge his father and gets two sword fighters to help him. Brand new 2K restoration of that. Alternate English dub tracks. Interview with the director. Who is the director of this film, Matt? John Will. Uh, also, then, Matt, your... Um, how do the kids say it? Number one. There can be only one. The Whale. This is the uh, Brendan Fraser comeback film about a reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity who attempts to reconnect with his strange daughter. And uh, two making of featurettes. Watch it for the performance, but prepare yourself. In the end, it's there. I have some major issues with a whale as a film, but Fraser is quite good in it. Matt also coming out in 4K: The Prince of Egypt, The Core. Rocky 3, because remember they did the box set a little while ago, and they've been mm-hmm. releasing one of the films a week in 4K. 
Mm-hmm. I read a review on Blu-ray.com about the Rocky 4K set, and they say they're not great. Mm, the transfers are okay. They're better than yeah. the previous transfers, but they're not great. And that the audio tracks are not good at all. Uh, so nah, that's too bad. Yeah. See, I would, I would almost as as I like Rocky in Rocky Two, but I would, I need to own Rocky Three and Rocky Four. Yeah. Yeah. I don't own them on anything. Well, if you want to, they they say basically, if you don't really care about it, getting the really the best picture because they may do a revert or a remaster or something like that at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. And also, the that box set at the moment is the only way to get that new cut of Rocky four and four K though. Maybe that's coming out next week. We'll have to wait and see. And then the uh, standard release of Dario Argento's phenomena with, uh, with, um, Jennifer Carpenter, Jennifer Carpenter. No, Jennifer Connelly, Mm. where she plays a young woman at the boarding school who can control all the insects with her mind includes all three versions of the film. I bought that on Blu-ray like a year or two ago, the special edition. This is a, which included like the soundtrack and all the different versions of the film and Blu-ray. The 4K transfer is supposed to be really nice, but I'm not a massive phenomena fan like some people are. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There you go. I think it's also, I think the, the U.S. version was called what? Night of the Creepers or Creepers? Yeah, I'm blanking on what the U.S. version was called. Anyway, it's a Jennifer Connelly, I just, you know, Command the Bugs movie. Okay. Creepy. If you haven't seen it, it's all they're checking out. Matt, your straight to DVD pick of the week, Puppet Master, Dr. Death. The most malevolent marionette in the Puppet Master universe, Matt, comes crawling out of his trunk in this shocking sidebar to Full Moon's most beloved franchise. The scalpel-wielding Dr. Death is unleashed in a ramshackle nursing home, and once the terror begins, it refuses to stop until the pint-sized psychosurgeon has spilled blood. (laughs) What should we be streaming this week? Well, one of our... Favorite little gems, I think. Unexpected little gems from earlier this year. Me Threegan is available on Ooh, yes. Peacock for your viewing pleasure. Did you watch the unrated cut yet? I want to watch it. I have I'm not, not had time. I have not. I have not had time to sit down and watch it. I've been catching up with Creed. Okay. That's true. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I even have that on a clip. I don't know why I said it. It's more fun to say, I think. Is the it issue. is. Yeah. All right. Fine. Oh, good for you. Ah, yeah, that's much better. <laughs> Let's spend a few minutes, Matt, and talk about uh, women talking, shall we? Would it be a good idea before we list the pros and cons of staying in fighting to talk about exactly what it is we're fighting for? It's obvious. We're fighting for our safety and for our freedom from attacks. But what would that mean to us? Perhaps we need a statement which describes what we want the colony to be like after winning the fight. Perhaps we need to understand more what it is we're fighting to achieve, not only what we're fighting to destroy. Are we staying or are we going? (laughs) Oh, now, please tell us more about the statement you're thinking about. Men and women would make all decisions for the colony collectively. Women would be allowed to think. Girls will be taught to read and to write. The schoolhouse must display a map of the world so that we can begin to understand our place in it. A new religion taken from the old, but focused on love, would be created by the women of the colony. Our children would be safe. So Matt had uh, texted me ahead of time. He said he wanted me to make this joke. He said, it's more like women be talking. Am I right? (laughs) Why why do you got to throw rumors out there like that? (laughs) Falsehoods. 
We've been talking to Sarah Polly's uh, latest film. She wrote and directed it. It is based off of, it's kind of fictionalized take of an actual event that mm-hmm. occurred. Um, the timeline of events is roughly between 2005 and 2009. And in fact, I believe the film itself is set in 2010. But you don't really get that for about a good 20 minutes or so in the film where it sounds like we're in like some puritanical time with the founding of the country. But no, the film actually takes place, well, I don't think they ever really identify it, but in real life, Matt, it took place in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. So it's a Mennonite colony where these women are all being drugged by cow tranquilizers and sexually assaulted and and I, I... I, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to rob the the film of its message. They're not just sexually assaulted. These women are raped, horribly abused and raped while they are passed out. And Matt, I, it's it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Like we say, it is nominated for uh, an Academy Award. Sarah Polly has been churning out some great films for a while now. She did a wonderful little documentary about herself and her family too. Um, so you should definitely check out, but Matt, women talking for me is kind of a character study of a group of women in this religious community dealing with the realization of their continued sexual assaults and what they're going to do about it. And I'm just going to, I'm going to act a, ask a practical question for you, Matt. Okay. You don't like films that either a are based on plays or feel like plays. Oh Yes. And I think this film very much has that staged kind of play feel like it, which it's not based on a play. It's based on a novel. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on women talking? Does it break the um, atmosphere, its earthly trappings of getting past that kind of staging feel? And did you... uh, Oh, boy. Um, So I will say this. So one... I was hoping to get out of watching this movie. Now, I know that it may have been too much for me to ask to get out of Elvis and this. Mm -hmm. But if I had to choose one or the other, I think choosing not to see Elvis was the right choice because I really, really hate biopics. Yes. Um, So here we are. I'm watching this thing. I'm like, man. This is like watching, you know, a monologue play in the East Village, and I'm not on board with that at all. And I don't know which one it was. I don't know if it was Kate Hallett as Ache or Liv McNeil as Nettie, but one of them says, while the women are talking, this is so boring. And I said, yes, I feel you, girl, as I sit here and watch this thing. I Here's the thing. It's exactly what I thought it would be, right? It's about a subject matter about how awful everything is, about how terrible religion is, about how terrible men is, and it's a bunch of dialogue that is really just a a series of character studies. It's all done very well. Mm -hmm. It's all acted very well. Mm -hmm. But to borrow Chris's phrase, I didn't have a lot of juice to see this thing. And after watching it, I still don't have any juice to really like, this is either your thing or it's not. And you know that even before you go and see this. Is this because you've been paying for those Andrew Tate classes? That's not fair. That's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to go there with that stuff. But it is a tragic and super serious Hmm. subject matter where 
everything is told in a room, in a single room for the most part, with a, you know a few little flashbacks to these awful things that have happened. And it just really robs it of a lot of its drama for me. Like, it just seems like it's it's just quite literally a bunch of talking heads yeah. talking about this. And it's not engaging to me. Go ahead, push the button. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm Tell just me how great this is. is. No, I'm being respectful, Matt, because basically you're... Not a fan. That's it, you know? And it's yeah. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I I understand your position. And I think it's a lot more like the trappings of the film. And maybe if it was a little more showy than telly, mm. I don't know if that would have helped. And we, we, we weren't Probably. so confined by the uh, location of this shot, you know, mm. uh, of, of this film. I guess that's fine. I found it to be, I think that Polly definitely reveals each twist and turn in this film, be it its setting geographically temporally or the events themselves i think that the story has a basic universality to it that regardless of time or location is just disheartening and maddening and i think that polly does a great job of having this kind of quiet but very justifiable anger this this through line throughout this entire film and when she gives us pieces of information of the damage and the results of these attacks, each one of them felt like a, another uh, Adonis Creed body punch. And basically, right, it, it's just that, uh, listen, I think Polly is very economical in her filmmaking. It's very clean. It's very basic storytelling with a focus on the narrative and the performances. It's about giving these actresses, and this is a murderer's row of of actors right now, Ro- well Rooney Mara, who I go back and forth on, <laughs> right? But Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivy, Sheila McCarthy, uh, ben- Francis McDormand shows up as well, and they touch on so many different subjects or so many different characters and character types. Each of them, with I think, has their own turn and their own moment that I found really engaging and riveting. That uh, I think it's a very solid film it's kind of a i struggle I, listen there are some things i i struggle with the film too i don't know if i would want to have seen more i think the way that polly handles the assaults and reveals information to us i i get everything i needed to get basically right mm-hmm. and it's just I think maybe my frustration is sourced or rooted in like the lack of accountability that these men experience, not only in the film, but just generally in society outside of that. So I think if you're looking for an engaging and enraging film, I think that maintains your attention, Matt, and focus on kind of the Me Too era without being as heavy handed as I would say, like she said which is a film that I did not really care for. It felt very ABC TV movie of the week to me. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for something in that kind of primal scream kind of vibe, I would very much recommend women talking. I think the characters and performance is really what sell this. And even though we're focusing this in this Mennonite community, again, there is a universality to the film that I think is undeniable. So I don't know. I, I yeah, I think it's worth checking out entirely. I'm giving it a B. Um, I th- I think overall there's just 
I don't know if it's sometimes it's Polly's too passive mm-hmm. in her indictments on stuff. I I don't know if I wanted more revenge, which is not something that they just have the ability to do. Right. I don't know. But, I'm not sure, Matt. But there's I don't know if sometimes just Polly's assured but quiet hand mm-hmm. doesn't provide the necessary amount of rage I really wanted. I'm not I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing the- something and I can't put my finger on what it is. Well, I, I will say this. So I've criticized the structure of the film. I am not saying that I wanted to see like any of these events unfold or anything like that. But I feel apologize like, if I made it sound like that. So I, I apologize for that. But it's it's more that you know this is supposed to be this insular community, right? And I understand that you know they're trying to present it as a kind of a broad thing. Like it could happen anywhere kind of thing, any kind of religious community or anything like that. But I feel like you needed some of that through line of what is the community like? What is the, what is the stuff that could be just as you said it shown as opposed to told like a look, uh, a series of interactions, um, things like that, as opposed to these women, with vastly different opinions and ways of approaching things, you know, talking to each other. And I, I don't know. I, I understand. I think it could have been a more engaging film if you had just taken a little bit more of a stylistic approach, as opposed to presenting it as dialogue. Here it is. You interpret it kind of thing. So you think maybe that's it. They said, I, I, there's not enough of a creative or stylish flair, aesthetic flair in the film. And it doesn't it's... feel like a film. Like it, it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like a film. Almost like, like an Errol Morris experience type of a <laughs> documentary. <feature. laughs> maybe, but I mean, even Errol Morris's, some of those have more life and character to them than, than, than this does in a lot of the stretches. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Polly does, but I think like, I think one of the key things in the film, and they they even they mention this in the film when Ben Wishaw's character, who's taking the notes or the minutes of the mm-hmm. meeting, um, that they, I think it's important to Polly, and I think this makes sense, is that there aren't men in the film sharing their perspectives, dictating whatever the case may be, and I think that we do get, what's the one I'm looking for? We do get a, a an update too, was when Claire Foy's character comes back in later in the film, at the next day, or whatever the case may be, she has been physically assaulted she has Mm -hmm. been hurt right which again there is your male presence in the film yeah i don't know but i think you could have accomplished something and again i'm not a filmmaker obviously and sarah Polly has way more talent and experience than i do in this thing but you know could you have done something where even if you didn't have men be characters could they have been you know charlie brown parents like you only see the backs of their heads or something or at least some idea of what the day-to-day life of these women is as opposed to them telling us what it is show me what it is hmm. and i think would have had a much stronger connection um i don't know i think she's very successful i think in doing that i, I and presenting this i'm not saying the- she's not successful in choosing the way she did it i just don't i just think you come from a uh an uneven precipice of making your work harder by presenting it in that way. I think she does as good a job as you could in making that choice. I just don't think that the necessarily the choice is where I would have started off with. Hmm. And, and, 
I don't know if you, this was just me, but I had a lot of trouble telling apart Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley. And they're like, <laughs> like I was like, which one is this? Which one am I? Which one am I watching at this point? Um, That's your problem. Is all white Mennonite women look alike to you? <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you going to give Women Talking a grade? I gave it a B, just to refresh everybody. Yeah, I gave it a C plus. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. C plus. I almost want to drop another Jamesy on you for that one, but that's fine. <laughs> so, all right. If you had a chance to see women talking, choose an email at feedback at the first run dot com. I think it's still playing in some theaters, and you can rent it online now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there you go. Matt, let's wrap up the big show and spend a few minutes with our favorite role playing game, Who Dat. I think next week we're doing Oscar picks, right? We have to. Yeah, we are. So that'll be fun. But in the meantime, you know, we tried to reboot this franchise again with David Harbour. But now we're going to go, what? We're going to do another one. We're going to go one more time. This time, though, with Mike Mignola is going to actually write the film. That's right, folks. They're doing another, another Hellboy. What? No, he doesn't. Just let me deal with it. More dead people? I told you. They never shut up. What are you telling you now? They're saying I should kill you while I have the chance. <coughs> you see, they know what you don't. That I've got a shotgun under the table loaded with angel bones aimed right at your todger. Seems like everybody wants to be dead nowadays. They give you a reason. Only that the end is coming. And it'll be you that brings it. Entonces al final, este engando. Google Translate that, would ya? Give me just some, uh, friend told me, you know, like a prophecy. You can shoot me or what? There it is, Matt. There's a clip from Hellboy. Listen, that reboot with Harbor. And uh, directed by, um, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Because I love a couple of his films a lot. And in some of the other films, I do not. Neil Marshall, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think the issue they had with that was right the studio really interfered with mm-hmm. that reboot. I think Harbor would have been a good Hellboy. But I think the script had some issues. Though I think some of the visual effects were pretty good. Well, they're going to take another bite at the apple, Matt, this time written by Mike Mignola. It's actually the creator of Hellboy. It's going to come in and write the story this time. So you are... Hmm. I will say you're Mike. You're okay. Mike Mignola. What are your thoughts on making another attempt to reboot Hellboy? And can we possibly get Ron Perlman to come back in some capacity? You know, I was uh, a fan of the Guillermo del Toro movies with... Uh... Uh, Ron Perlman, I think uh, they were pretty good. I mean, he definitely respected the source material, but I'm really looking forward to being able to write the film, provide a script, and really kind of lean into the weirdness and horror elements of Hellboy, which I think a lot of it has been lacking. I think they are trying to make it more of an approachable comic book film, and they're kind of really not leaning into as much as I would think they should about the kind of cosmic horror of it all. So I'm looking forward to being able to take a stab at that. Interesting. All right. I got to tell you, I don't know how I feel about all of this. The the Ron Perlman ones are really, really good. And I guess the director's proposal they have 
is Brian Taylor, who did Crank, the two Crank films with Statham, mm. which I have not seen. Yeah. And then Gamer as well. So I'm not exactly, you know, getting all uh, excited. <laughs> or I was like to say, getting all juiced for a Hellboy reboot. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, you can only go to the well so many times and have diminishing returns to where you have to stop uh, throwing your A game at it, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Man. Fingers crossed. Um, well, we kind of ruined my first one, but I'm going to ask it anyway, since I only have three. You're Michael B. Jordan. Okay. What's it going to take to make another Creed? Pitch it. What's your idea? Well, Majors and I get together. We kind of maybe come up with a story together, and it's going to be... I, I really want to do it as long as I can continue to direct the film. And then now it'll be it'll be uh, Adonis and Damien, and we'll be fighting um, like an alien, maybe. <laughs> Bringing some sci-fi elements into it, and uh, I have to save the world by a boxing match. No, what it is, I'm going to fight Superman, like Muhammad Ali did. That's what it is, uh, in that uh, legendary... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I think he's, Matt, I I think he's in. I think he enjoyed making this film. It was a good experience. It's a way for him to develop and grow a little bit more. I just, the problem is, I don't know how he solves the next film, what it's going to be. But... It's going to be, are we going to fast forward and it's going to be him training his daughter to be a fighter, mm-hmm. maybe? Go, go maybe. forward like 15, 15 years? Then how do you bring Damien into that? I don't know. He's the, I don't know, the other coach? I, I don't know. You know, Jonathan Majors, I think, is your ringer, man. I think you got to hang this franchise off of him. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. I don't know. I don't know, but I think he's back for sure. This one's doing really well. They're going to want to make another one. So, there you go. All right. I look forward to uh, Clubber Lang Jr. to really to really come out there and That's challenge. What, we're just going to keep Anderson. redoing that. Or or Apollo had another son. Who, now, uh... Ooh, now you're putting it out there. Now you're putting it out there. Because he did say that in this film, when he's talking to Felicia Rashad, that his her other two kids wanted nothing to do with him. So he does have, you know, brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Theoretically. There is some spite in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Matt, you're—I don't know how you're going to pull this off. I'll let you choose. You can either be J.R. Tolkien or you can be Peter Jackson. You can decide which one. Uh, do, I, do I get to hear the question first? Sure. Amazon okay. plans on expanding the Lord of the Rings universe, a la the MCU. Mm. What are your thoughts? Does Peter Jackson come back? And if so, why would he? Yeah. Um, so if I'm Peter Jackson, no, I don't come back. I bowed to studio pressure. I gave. You know, three films out of The Hobbit when I really only thought it could be two at the absolute most. And I, I kind of caved into what they wanted. Um, it wasn't particularly well received. I think there are pieces of a good movie in there if you kind of cut out all the extraneous stuff. And I, I think I'm done with Middle Earth. I understand it kind of made me and I still love it, but I I don't think I can take that fan backlash again. Yeah. If I'm J.R. Tolkien, Tolkien... I will say that, uh, you know what? My estate and my deceased, my late son, uh, he was very adamant that Amazon couldn't get access to a lot of the lore. So I don't really trust what they're going to do to expand it. They don't have access to things like the Silmarillion. So they're just having to kind of dance around all these events instead of really being able to flesh it out. So I think it's a, if they can get access to all of it, I think it'll be, it'll be like Star Wars. We're just going to, 
Create new Maybe. stories and new stuff. Maybe. You know what? We'll see. But if you thought Star Wars fans are bad, holy cow. Just get on to some of the 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 tweets and message, message boards and subreddits that have discussed uh, Rings of Power. And I would be afraid for anybody who writes any of that stuff. I have not seen that show at all yet. Is it any good? No, it's not. Um, I really wanted to like it. It's not particularly good. Uh, there are parts of it that are I really enjoyed. There are like scenes and set pieces that I really liked, but overall, it's not that great. I really hope the WGA is it WGA. I think they're threatening to strike the Writers Association there because all the streaming stuff. The streamers don't reveal any of their viewership numbers. Gotcha. And when you write for a streamer, you don't get any residuals. Yeah. You just get you get switched to work for hire. Yeah. So they're trying to kind of renegotiate that. And the information they need to know is, well, how many people are watching this stuff? You know, and the, yeah. they, they will not release that information, any of them. So Really? No. Streaming, man. It's, it's a black be. box. It is. What do you got? Um, okay. So you're our man, Dan Harmon. Sure. With all of the Rick and Morty drama going on and the news that you're bringing in a ringer, uh, to work on commute on the community movie. After all this, are you going to take a step back? Are you going to be done for a little bit and maybe go live your life as opposed to trying to bring this stuff to life, uh, and it keep crashing and burning on you? <laughs> I need to start finding some better people. I think is part of the issue, mm. but, um, I, maybe I'll, I'll take it easy for a little while. Maybe build some other weird contraption devices that I see myself building on Instagram every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah sure i'll enjoy my life for a little while and then um we'll go on to the next thing i'm not sure what it's going to be maybe another ensemble comedy doing something or maybe i'll spread my wings and do some kind of uh dramatic or sci-fi thing apple tv that's the thing about streaming man the overwhelming need for content that just does not go away mm-hmm so um, we'll we'll see. Look what happened to Bill Lawrence. He did Ted Lasso over at Apple TV. Now he does Shrinking, which is an excellent show that um, I've just started to watch and features probably one of the best Harrison Ford performances I've seen in the past 20 years. But still, uh, yeah, no, sure. I'll take a little time away and then I'll come back and kind of do my thing. Sure. Well, I for one hope you pick up Harmon Quest again because I had a lot of fun of that. Listening to Audrey Plaza play Dungeons and Dragons and really hate it is was life it was fantastic oh i haven't heard that i'll have to check that out that's yeah all right my last one for you matt is you're kevin feige Mm. who are you casting as wolverine i'm gonna give you three choices that i'm kind of high on right now thank you i was afraid i was gonna have to come up with something on my own here yeah two of them i really like and one of them i think is just dumb and lazy and what they'll probably end up going with (laughs) uh so taron egerton which i like is an option okay i don't know he might be too big the one my one I really want is Daniel Radcliffe, and okay. then the dumb layup would be like Scott Eastwood. Uh, so or if you have somebody in your somebody in your back pocket that you don't want to tell us about, that's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a, a short list, but I, I would tell you out of those three, I would choose uh, probably Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made some interesting acting choices. You know, we could do what we do to get male actors bulked up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, uh, they, I think he could, you know, under proper supervision and mm-hmm. diet and exercise wink. And like <laughs> he can, he could, uh, really fill out the whole Wolverine kind of, uh, 
small dude who's like a, a thousand pounds of muscle, I think it could really work out. I'd be really interested in what Daniel Radcliffe could bring to the, uh, the table. Well, that cat is ripped. He's just lean and sinewy. Right, but... I mean, look at Robert Pattinson as Batman. He wasn't exactly uh, doing right. the bail. I understand, but Wolverine, if you're going to try and make it more comic accurate, it, like, can barely put his arms down. He's so freaking big. But he's also, like, five foot nothing. So yeah, that's yeah. why it's hilarious. But Chris Evans and, and Chris Hemsworth, you know, obviously supernatural, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they, they are just eating liver and working out. They're not that's... doing anything else. I mean... The Rock being 50 and in better shape than he's ever been is somehow, it's just him eating cod and working out three hours a day. That's really what it is. Well, Stallone's, I think, the only one that's really ever been really upfront about any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He he endorses the human growth hormone all the way, and that's how he was able to stay, you know, his physique even to his 70s. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think it's fine if you come out and say that we're taking testosterone or taking human growth hormone when we're being, you know, monitored by a doctor and we stop taking it after we do these roles. That's fine. But don't come out and be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's all natural. That's such a cop out lie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bring us home. What do you got? Um, All right. uh, What do I have? Your noted film curmudgeon, David Fincher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you are you done with theatrical releases? What? No. Something's gonna something's gonna get me all excited again or juiced as they say in the first run, and I will be back <laughs> to do something theatrical at some point. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a little excited I like, about it. David, I like how juiced when I I think I I think when I first said it, Chris has made made lots of fun of me, and now it's like the the first run's catchphrase. I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah. No, though I, I know I upset a lot of people, particularly your uh, co-host, Chris Galza, when they basically said that uh, Mindhunters is not coming back. It's just too expensive. Mm. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. So we can Netflix can, can churn, continue to churn out crap show after crap show, or even worse, the just the deluge of shit films mm. that comes out of them. Now, let's, don't be wrong. They do do some good stuff. They throw out like an Oscar contender or two a year, maybe, but the rest yeah. of the time, you can't throw that money to mine hunters, and that just depresses the hell out of me. But um, either way, yeah, no, no, I'm I like the the openness that television or streaming gives me. But I think one of the problems we're starting to see is that we'll see uh, a nine ten episode season of a show that could easily be pared down into like a two two and a half hour film, and mm-hmm. we don't have all the filler that some of yeah. these shows are starting to get. So. Yeah, you know what? Um, we'll see. I mean, uh, it's been nine years since uh, Gone Girl came out. Um, you've obviously released things since then, but nothing theatrically. Um, so we'll see that your next film, which is supposed to be coming out potentially late in the year, The Killer, we'll see where it lands up, if it's in theaters or if it's on a streaming service. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, kids. Shoot us an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. How would you answer those questions as those individuals? Matt, what is coming up next week on The Big Shoe? On The Big Show, I believe we are seeing uh, Scream 6 and the Adam Driver prehistoric sci-fi movie, 65. Oh, we're doing both? Yeah, there was something else that came out this week, too, that I was interested in seeing. But um, The Guy we- Ritchie movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Operation Fortune. But um, I think we can wait to streaming for that thing. Sounds good to me. So, 
Good times. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, where else? Twitter. Does that work? And yeah, then uh, do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Hand it over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And that's it. We love you very much. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you all soon. Later. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain.